welcome back to Yesterday Today. I'm Jake Westbrook. This here is McLean Westbrook. That's right. I'm Jake's brother. We all have our crosses to bear. Thank, thank you very much, buddy. And this is Yesterday Today, where we bring you the best of yesterday's sounds today. Radio shows, recordings, neat old stuff that I find laying around in my attic. We got all kinds of stuff to present to you uh, every week. We're going to start off with a radio show. This is the uh, Bing Crosby Show, Phil Cool Radio Time. This episode is from March 10th of 1948, and the special guest in this episode is Jimmy Stewart. I can't think of any two more calming, stoic, Fred Rogers-like individuals than Bing Crosby and Jimmy Stewart. Just put those two together, you'll just be relaxed for days. You'll be soothed right into a slumber. (laughs) This is a grim moment, I want to tell you right now. (laughs) When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day someone waits for me <laughs> Feel, get that good, tough balsam. Yes, well, that's um, that's quite a job, a tree feeler. Yes, and if I make good next year, they're going to let me go out and field cows, see if they'll make good catcher's mitts. Bing, uh, ah. for the moment, getting... The band's ahead of us. They really are. We'll make them wait, though. For the moment, getting back to those trees, how can you tell if one will make a good bat? Ken, I never could do it alone. No. But I've got two very talented woodpeckers working with me, and they tap. Well, good luck to you, Bing, and I hope next year you're promoted to cows. Thank you. Uh, by the way, here it comes. Yes. Stand by, Ben. Yeah, stand by. <laughs> what part of a cow do they make baseball gloves out of? The part with the built-in fingers, of course! <laughs> Stop this baseball chatter while I join the Rhythm Airs and John Scott Trotter in a bouncy bit of musical real estate titled 160 Acres. Come, children. I got 160 acres in the valley. I've got 160 acres of the best. Got a cold stove there that'll cook three square And a bunk where I can lay me down to rest Up at dawn to greet the sun I've forgotten what a care or worry means Head for home when day is done And the pocket money's jingling in my jeans I've got a hundred and sixty acres full of sunshine I've got a hundred and sixty million stars above Got an old paint horse, I'm the guy what's boss On the hundred and sixty acres that I love I've got a hundred and 
160 acres in a bag. Use kids as loaded. I got 160 acres of the bag. Who holds the mortgage? Got a ghost home there that'll cook three square. And a bunk where I can lay me down to rest. Up at dawn, Up dawn to see the sun. High as sun. I've forgotten what a care of worry means. Head for home. I'm going. There's a lot of work, too. 160 acres sure is a lot of land. A lot. Sure. Oh, up in Nevada, 160 acres is just a little mud on your boots. Well, I know, but down here in Southern California, that makes a pretty big ranch. I'd get lonesome on a place that big. You wouldn't be lonesome if you carried a Philco portable while you were plowing the South 40. You're so right, Bing. A Philco portable is great company anywhere. Yes, sir. Not only that, but Philco is a great company. Oh, you're just saying that so we'll work steady, I know. With no, I'm... Keep I... talking, keep talking. I like it. <laughs> Don't worry, Bing, I will. You're a grand boy. <laughs> well, folks, Philco's bringing out some brand new portable radios. They not only give you powerhouse performance wherever you travel this spring, but they're funny stylish, too. Smart sets with a smart set. Lightweight and compact, their slick new plastic cabinets come in your choice of four different colors. They're real eye-catchers, and so is their price. Genuine Philco quality at sensationally low cost. If you're a full-time gadabout, get the new battery model. You stay-at-homes will go for the three-way jobs that play on battery, AC, or DC. But indoors or out, any of these new Philco plastic portables gives you championship performance in colorful, streamlined styles. They're tops for your money in portable radios from Philco, the leader. One of the late, great Waller Donaldson's finest songs was in the musical show Whoopi. Ruth Edding did it great. Love me or leave me Oh, let me be lonely You won't believe me And I love you only I'd rather be lonely Than happy with somebody else Right time for kissing Night time is my time For just reminiscing Regretting instead of forgetting With somebody else There'll be no Unless that someone is you. I intend. 
meant to be So independently blue today and to give back tomorrow for my love is your love there's no love for nobody else for my love is your love I'm happy with nobody Tonight's guest towel has been hung on the rack for the exclusive use of a gangling young man who's a flicker favorite with many successful starring roles to his credit. The bashful bachelor of Beverly Hills, Jimmy Stewart. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, bang. Hey, Jim. Just by way of prying into your personal affairs, tell me. How is it you've managed to uh, remain a bachelor all these years? Ah, uh-huh. is this the Crosby program or Luella Parsons? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm interested. I really am, Jimmy. How, how, have you, how have you stayed single? Well, I guess it's because even though I talk sort of slow, I'm very fast on my feet. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it, then. I saw you at a party the other day surrounded by beautiful girls, and you were wearing track shoes. Yes, yes, I... <laughs> Got to have them for a speedy getaway. Naturally. Of course, I never spike the girls. <laughs> Unless I'm cornered, of course. <laughs> well, do you wear these spike shoes all the time, Jim? Oh, sure. The other night, I was thrown out of the Macombo for scratching up the dance floor. And the cigarette girl. <laughs> well, even though I, I realize that you're one of the few bachelors left in Hollywood, uh, aren't you a little more jittery than usual? Well, you'd be jittery, too, Bing. This is leap year. Oh, yes. <laughs> 366 Sadie Hawkins days. Yeah. Uh, you're, uh, you're married, aren't you, Bing? Very. <laughs> well, I might consider marriage if uh, somebody could give me one good reason. Oh, I've got four. Oh, I forgot Dixie. Five. Uh, <laughs> now, there's something I haven't thought much about, Bing. Kids. Gee, I'm crazy about kids. Then get busy. I... <laughs> that third cornet player with us all the time. He laughs more than Milton Berle's mother. You know, Bing, I, I really would like to settle down, take life easy, and raise a lot of children. I'll make up your mind, Jimmy. You want to take it easy or raise kids? They're different. <laughs> different categories entirely. They are. Sure. I thought in marriage, the wife takes care of the baby. That's a fallacy, James. Why, in my day, I've swallowed more safety pins than a busy dressmaker, and I include Ori, Kelly, any of the big boys around Is that Yes. Right? But I'll say one thing for Dixie. Every time I swallowed a pin, she was right there with the magnet. <laughs> you know, sometimes I wish I wasn't so darn bashful around women. They really upset you, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, be darn. Yes, it does. Jimmy, I've seen you in your new picture, that Northside 777. You managed to overcome your embarrassment long enough to kiss that girl. If you can kiss a gal in the movies, why can't you do it with a gal at home? Well, it's a little dangerous, Bang. At home, I don't have a director around to yell, cut. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, (laughs) Some of them do hang on, as I recall. Oh. 
Even in those days. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're just bashful with the fair sex, huh, Jim? I, it's hereditary, I guess, Ben. My father was the same way. He was so bashful that when he was courting my mother back in the horse and buggy days, mother used to ride in the buggy and dad rode up with the horses. <laughs> Oh, my brother, Everett, he did something like that when he was courting up in Spokane. What's that, Ben? Well, he couldn't afford horses, so he wouldn't date any girl who wasn't strong enough to pull the buggy. <laughs> Everett's a big, strong fella. Why would he let a girl pull the buggy? Well, he likes to drive. Oh. <laughs> but, he... but he was very gallant. He never used a whip. <laughs> Well, if you get a girl that's willing, you don't really need one. <laughs> well, getting back to your dad, Jim, you say he was more bashful than you? Oh, I guess it's about a toss-up, Bang. Sort of a shy tie, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I won't take a girl to the movies unless the theater's crowded. Why a crowded theater? Well, so we don't have to sit together. <laughs> of course, uh... <laughs> That runs into money. Runs into money? Huh? What do you mean? Two separate bags of popcorn every time. <laughs> well, you ought to sit with your girl at the movies. And besides just one sack of popcorn, that's a lot more fun. Yeah? Sure. You see, as soon as your girl reaches in the sack for some corn, you sneak in there with her and you hold hands. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you used to do that, Dad? Sure. Save plenty of loot that way, Jim. <laughs> sack of popcorn lasts me three or four months. Oh, <laughs> Well, I, <laughs> I, I don't see how two people can get their hands into one little sack of popcorn at the same time. Well, it's, it's tricky, but after you get a little butter on your hands, they slip in the sack. <laughs> I might have been okay for you, Bing, but when I go to a movie, I'm, I'm there to eat popcorn. I'm... <laughs> Not for squeezing any salty fingers. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you don't eat popcorn during your own pictures. Bing. Hmm. Without popcorn, my pictures are nothing. <laughs> well, move over. <laughs> I don't understand how you ever escape marriage, track shoes or not. You know what you need, Jim? You need a girl who's shy and retiring, just like you are. Well, my type doesn't interest me. <laughs> You know, you know, uh, Bing, women are getting bolder and bolder every year. You know? uh, I wouldn't know. I don't get out of the house much. Oh, you don't? <laughs> just take my word for it. They've really got a lot of nerve. I just look at those ankle-length dresses they're wearing now. You, you know? think it takes uh, nerve to wear one of those, huh? Well, would you wear one? Oh, yeah, but I'll wear anything. Oh. <laughs> I know, when it comes to clothes, Bing, you sure are brave. Well, it's, it's sheer madness, not bravery. Really? <laughs> And, Jimmy, if you'd adopt a more reckless attitude toward women, you'd be better off. You really think so? Positive. I... You ought to get married, Jim. Gee, at night when you come home, there'll be somebody at the door to throw her arms around you and shower you with affection. Now, well, that's if I come home on time, of course. <laughs> this boy knows. Sure, my parents were married, you know, but I, uh... <laughs> I, I really don't need a wife. When I come home, I just like to sit by the fire all by myself and smoke. Well, you ought to have a wife to bring you your pipe and tobacco. Oh, I don't use tobacco. Well, then how do you smoke? Well, I'm absent-minded. I always get a little too close to the fire. Huh? <laughs> hey, yeah, that wouldn't happen if you had a woman around. No, it wouldn't happen if I had a screen in front of the fireplace. 
I better get a wife to watch over you, I guess. Oh, no, no, don't bother, Bing. It's, it's nearly spring, and I won't be using the fireplace much. <laughs> I insist, Jimmy. I, I'm going to get you married, I swear. If it's oh, the last now, thing I... Why don't you lay off? A guy me, like Bing. you ought to be married. Now, let me see. What girl would I pick for you? No, never mind, Bing. Let's now, see. Th- Eddie Cantor's got some daughters left over. <laughs> Cantor always has daughters left over. <laughs> now, you don't worry. I'll find a nice gal for you, Jimmy. Do you, what do you mean, don't worry? Mm. This whole thing's terrifying. Nonsense, Jimmy. There's nothing to it. I'll show you how easy it is to get married. Well, just a minute. Don't be no, difficult. Wait. Just to get you ready, we'll act the whole thing out. To make things easy for you, I'll be the groom, and I'll let you be the bride. Well, just take it easy. Take it easy. I know less about being the bride than I do about being the groom. <laughs> just pretend you're a girl and do what comes naturally. Now, pay close attention, Jim. Mr. Carpenter, what is will this? you take charge? Well, gladly, Bing. I, I do love a wedding. Me too. I love a parade. <laughs> After the wedding, we'll have a parade. Now stand still and stop fidgeting. You're the bride. And so Harry and Jim Ima were married. Boo hoo hoo hoo. I'm I'm very happy, darling. Me too, sweetheart. Come on, let's jump on the train. And so our happy honeymooners take the train to Buffalo, New York. Oh, Jemima, darling. Look at the falls. Aren't they beautiful? Stand over there. I want to take a snapshot of you. Let's check in on the hotel. (laughs) Fellas at the office gave me this peachy Kodak at my bachelor dinner, and if I don't bring back lots of snaps, they'll think I just didn't want to take pictures. Well, the girls in my office gave me a beautiful negligee to wear, and I'm dying to try it on. I... No. You run up to the room and put it on, then come back and I'll take some pictures of it. Let's check into the hotel. <laughs> okay. Hello, room clerk. My name is Harry Crosby, and this is my bride. Oh, he's lovely. <laughs> yes, we were, we, were, we were just married. So I noticed the bride still has track shoes on. <laughs> This isn't helping anything. No, I'm not learning anything more about marriage. <laughs> Anyhow, now, I'll tell you what let's do. We'll start the whole thing over, and inasmuch as I'm going to see to it that you wind up as a groom this year, you be the husband, and I'll be the wife. All right. Here, you put on this veil. <laughs> Carpenter, reset the scene. Jimmy married Harriet. I'm so happy, sweetheart. I'm scared to death. Stop wiping your nose with your veil, sweetheart. (laughs) Sorry. Come on, Jimmy, let's jump on the train. And so the little bride carried her struggling husband aboard the train to Buffalo, New York. a milk train this time. Oh, stop crying. I'm the bride. Come on, let's check in the hotel. Stop dragging me. Well, 
Well, well, newlyweds. Yes, yes. I'm Mr. Stewart, and this is my bride, Miss Harriet Crosby. Darling, we're married now. Oh, pardon me. Oh, Mrs. Harriet Crosby. <laughs> oh, he's gorgeous. <laughs> we, we like an ice, uh, I, we like an outside. <laughs> an outside room so we can take snapshots. Now, just a minute. Weren't you two here before? Yes, but I was the bride then. <laughs> well, let's try this whole thing once again and I'll be the bride. <laughs> Not very enlightening. It still, still doesn't sway me. I'm going to stay single. Now, don't be too sure. Your spikes may fail you. You're liable to run into a gal who's got track shoes on herself. Well, if I do, I'll resort to my ace in the hole. Are you holding out on me? Yeah. Yeah, when I was in the Army, I learned the best defense is an offense. What have you got? Surefire offense. I sing. (laughs) Your singing is an offense? When I sing, it's as offensive as you can get. Well, what song do you do? Something uh, romantic, I trust. Uh, no, no, I've got a special number that frightened women so much that they never come near me again. It's a sort of a vocal DDT. <laughs> Don't get any on me, Jimmy, but let's hear it, huh? Now I'm a wolf of Wolf Creek Pass. I'm just as smooth as silk and just as sharp as glass. I got a Cadillac coupe with a built-in bar, a 40-tube radio equipped with radar. The upholster is made of nylon on the top of silk. You press a button on the dashboard and out pops malted milk. Ow! I'm the only guy who really cooks with gas. Just call me the wolf of Wolf Creek Pass. Now I'm a wolf. You can't deny I'm just as slick as a weasel and just as sly. I got a voice like Sinatra, but there's much more appeal. When I sing, they scream, not squeal. Now, I'm sick of all this raving about the voice when there's no doubt that I'm the lady's choice. Ow! guy who really cooks with gas just call me the wolf the wolf creek pass now i'm a wolf but i got charms when i start to burn i'm a forearm i'm tall like gary cooper and i got muscles to boot i even look like walter pigeon in a 13 dollars suit i got a call from ingrid bergman and that's true i swear can i help it if i'm so handsome and debonair guy who really cooks with gas just call me the wolf of wolf creek pass now i'm the wolf of world renown i'll be the best of the best comes round i got a brand new whistle that's guaranteed to make the gals come running and a small stampede now if you'll listen very closely you'll see how they fall it's a combination whistle with a real wolf call Cooks with gas on all four burners. Just call me the wolf of Wolf Creek Pass.
great. <laughs> really great. They ought to work out fine, too, because once the girls get to thinking you're a wolf, they'll run for cover every time. Well, I certainly hope so, Bing. And just those few minutes we spent at Niagara Falls made a wreck out of me, you know? I still think you ought to get married, Jim. Well, if I do, Bing, I'll have it transcribed for release at my convenience. <laughs> well, when you pick the girl and the date... Jimmy, give me a call, will you? Because I'm doing a little outside singing these days. I'm available for weddings, barbershop quartets, barbecues, and bar mitzvahs. <laughs> and, Jimmy, be sure and let me know if you're going to take the big step. What for, Ken? Well, I want to send you a wedding present, a nice uh, Philco console. Oh, for free? Certainly. Oh, this man gives things away. <laughs> Bing, Philco's giving everybody a bonus these days. Plenty of record storage space in those new Philco consoles. And you're really in the business for easy listening anytime you stack a pile of records on Philco's super smooth automatic changer. These slick Philco radio phonographs give you the works for jiving, dancing, or long hair sessions. A solid half hour to clip. And thanks to the research program of the Philco Laboratories, you're as good as right there under the bandstand or down front in the concert hall without budging from your chair. You get brilliant on-the-spot performance, tone that sends you out of this world. And you can kiss the noise goodbye with Philco's sensational electronic scratch eliminator. No hiss, no screech, no scratch. It automatically tunes out surface noise and needle scratch, leaving you the music against a background of blissful silence. Philco research is like that. Always out front for easier listening at the lowest possible cost to you. And it all pays off in more for your money. The top radio value at every price from the world's largest radio manufacturer, Philco. Famous for quality the world over. From the road to Rio, the Paramount picture which features an old aunt of mine, we bring you now the ballad. Love is funny, or it's sad, or it's quiet, or it's mad. It's a good thing, or it's bad, but beautiful. Beautiful to take a chance, and if you fall, you fall, and I'm thinking... It's a problem for its play. It's a heartache either way, but beautiful. And I'm thinking if you were mine. you go and that would be but beautiful I know
thinking If you were mine I'd never let you go And that would be But beautiful about wraps it up for ce soir, but I want to say it's been jolly. Many thanks to Jimmy Stewart for coming over tonight. He was stubborn, but charming. Oh, Bing, I'm sorry if I was stubborn, but you know the old saying, once bitten, twice shy. Jimmy, you've been married before? Oh, gosh, no, nothing like that. But you see, Bing, I proposed to a girl and she turned me down. She turned you down? Yeah, Ruben, broke my heart. Oh, I didn't know that, Jimmy. I'm sorry. When did this girl spurn you? Uh, I was in the fourth grade. (laughs) Fourth grade? Oh, well, Jim, you... You should have pulled out of that by now. She was she was just a kid. Kid nothing. She was in the eighth grade. Oh. One of those older girls. Well, no matter what happens, Jim, good luck. Thanks, Bang. Thanks very much. Say, who's your guest next week? Miss Margaret O'Brien. Margaret O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Say, she's real cute. Yeah, she huh? sure is. We're going to do a big St. Patrick's Day program. I'll be sure and catch it. Good night, Bang. Good night, Jimmy. Good night, folks, and thank you very much. Produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Bill Morrow and Myrtle McKenzie. Tune in to Phil Cole Radio Time next week and hear Bing Crosby, John Scott Trotter, and his orchestra, the Rhythm Airs, and Bing's guest, Margaret O'Brien. And keep your eye on your Philco dealer now for the newest thing in radio from Philco, the leader. That was Phil Cole, Radio Time, from March 10th, 1948, Bing Crosby, Jimmy Stewart. Great pair of guys. Uh, McLean, I believe you have something to bring to the table. Yes, I have a March 2nd, 1946 episode of the Dreamtime radio program. I can't, can't, say I've, can't say I've heard of that. And, I've, and, I've, and I have the encyclopedia of old-time radio, so... You likely have not heard of it because it is more popularly known as the Bickersons. Um, Dreamtime was just the uh, official name of the show, a half-hour comedy show um, sponsored by Dream Shampoo. But what it's best known for is the Bickersons bit, played by um, Don Amici and Francis Langford as uh, the arguing John and Blanche Bickerson, a couple that famously wakes up in the middle of the night and just argues. (laughs) So now my experience with this show was uh, when we were kids, uh, when we lived in Montana, I must have been in middle school at the time, I believe we checked out a collection of this show from the library uh, on cassette tapes because the library had a bunch of cassette tape collections of old-time radio, and I just, I loved the heck out of those things. Um, but I recall vividly listening to the, their collection of the Bickersons on a uh, on a road trip with with our dad. I don't remember where we were going, but we were in the middle of nowhere in Montana with this huge thunderstorm rolling in in front of us, and uh, listening to a Bickersons cassette tape and. Uh, as far as I knew from then, 
I didn't realize The Bigger Sins was not the whole show. Yeah, I think the formula is best for The Bigger Sins because, I mean, it's a good show, but only in spurts. It can be very grating after a while, just listening to two people argue no matter how funny it is. Um, but yeah, they take 15 minutes, or 10 to 15 at the, the last section of the show is just The Bigger Sins bit. But uh, actually what the show really was was mostly just a variety programs featuring several segments. Of course, uh, Francis Langford, who would uh, go on to achieve some level of notoriety as well, uh, along with Bob Hope on some USO tours. Uh, she would perform musical numbers in the, at the beginning of the show, usually. Uh, but the, the show, in my opinion, the, the first variety segment, oftentimes was stolen by a bright young comic named Danny Thomas who would, of course, later go on to achieve fame with his own Danny Thomas show, Make Room for Danny, Make him laugh, this... make him laugh, don't you know everybody? No. Sorry, continue. <clears throat> that is not, that is Danny Kay, not Danny Thomas. I get him confused, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Danny Thomas, uh, at this point, was just kind of breaking into radio. It was never really, like, his main medium. He never really, like, achieved mainstream success, but he, he played a supporting role here as uh, Blanche Bickerson's brother Amos, who's a bit of a louse, of course, the brother-in-law. The the Frank Rimley of the Bickersons. Exactly. To a degree. Just not as whimsical. Yeah. But yeah, and, um... But but in these in these variety segments, what would usually happen was that he'd play sort of the comedic comedic relief. He'd be the, the foil to uh, Don Amici's uh, kind of fuddy-duddy stuff shirt sort of uh straight man you know thinks of himself too highly straight man yeah but but what would happen is that uh danny thomas would usually get his own like comedic song to sing in the episode and i always because for the for the longest time when i was a kid listening to the show i only thought it was like the 10 to 15 bit as well it was it was a little while before i actually heard an entire like full-length episode just like on a radio uh, old-time radio station. I mean, I have, I've never heard a full episode either, so let's stop talking about it and just play it, because I want to hear it too. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> From Hollywood, it's Dream Time. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Dream Shampoo are pleased to present the 12th in a series of new programs produced by Carlton Alsop and starring Don Amici... Blanche, let me sleep, will you? Danny Thomas... Progress. You call this progress? Kaiser's driving Fraser on on a motorcycle. And our glamorous dream girl, Frances Langford, who sings... The moon belongs to everyone the best Belong to everyone, they gleam there for you and me. The flowers in spring, the robins that sing, the sunbeams that shine, they're yours, they're mine. Love can come to everyone, the best things in life are free.
robins that sing. The sunbeams that shine, they're always yours and mine. So love can come to everyone. The best things in life are free. Never before dreamed. Right, never before dreamed could any shampoo reveal all the natural brilliance of your hair. Never before dreamed could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous yet so easy to manage. When you dream your hair, you bring out all its sparkling highlights. When you dream your hair, you glamorize all its soft, thrilling texture. And when you dream your hair, you remove all luster-dulling soap film and unsightly dandruff. More... Dreen's rich whipped cream lather leaves your hair easier to set, easier to curl, easier to arrange right after shampooing. So, for lovely, lustrous hair, for all types of hair... Use Dreen Shampoo with hair conditioning action. Never before Dreen could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous, yet so easy to manage. D-R-E-N-E, Dreen Shampoo. Now, here is your host for the evening, Don Amici. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and good evening. Francis, before you get away, I want to tell you that I thought your song was delightful. And Toby, your commercial was stimulating. And Carmen, your music was magnificent. Boy, you feel great tonight, don't you? Oh, I certainly do, Carmen. Do you realize that it's March? The month that heralds spring? Oh, I just love March. Beautiful March. Me too. In fact, I'm looking forward to every month this year. Romantic April, delightful May, enchanting June, exotic July. Carmen, you've got the soul of a poet. No, I've got an Esquire calendar. <laughs> well, I hope you and your calendar are very happy together. But as for me, I have spring fever. And... Francis. Yes, Don? I'd like to drop over to your house about 8.30 tonight. I'll put the top down in my convertible and... and oh, then... I'm so sorry, Don, but I sort of half-promised Danny Thomas I'd keep him company while he's experimenting with his new chemistry set. Oh, Francis, do you know what you're letting yourself in for? He won't pay any attention to you. He's had his eye glued to that microscope for three days now. Three days? Yes, that poor soul is trying to outstare a germ. <laughs> he hasn't got an ounce of romance in his body. Oh, I'm sure he has, Don. Did you ever notice his soulful round eyes? Well, did you ever see square ones? <laughs> Why, as far as he's concerned, spring is just... Oh, there he is now. The germ must have won. Danny! Danny Thomas! <laughs> Hello, everybody. Isn't it wonderful, Danny? What's wonderful? Spring will soon be here. It will? Yeah, can't you feel it? Can't you feel those soft, balmy breezes? Does something to a man, eh, Danny? Oh, I know just what you mean, Don. You do? Yeah, it makes you want to get out the old kite and fly the tail of it, boy. <laughs> Say, uh, uh, Danny, have you, have you ever thought about girls? Oh, girls. They fascinate me every time I see them walking down the street in their dainty open-toed shoes. Sure, I, I think about them a lot. What do you think about them, Danny? Don't their toes ever get cold? <laughs> Look, Danny, when a fellow's your age, he doesn't spend all his evenings reading popular mechanics or building a speckled bird's egg collection. Doesn't romance mean anything to you? Of course it does, Don. If I may quote from the classics, in the words of the immortal Hildegard, 
She's wonderful, Hildegard. I should only wear my nose the way she wears her hair. Je vous aime beaucoup, toujours le mot, mon petit chéri. Oh, that's beautiful, Danny. What does it mean? I knew, wouldn't I say it in English? <laughs> you see, what did I tell you, Francis? Danny, you ought to get yourself a girl. Ah, love is only for women. I've heard of a few men who are interested in it, too. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm afraid there'll never be any romance in your life. Oh, I guess you're right, Don. I'm kind of like parsley on a piece of fish. I look all right, but nobody wants me. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say that, Danny. I'm sure there must be somebody. Well, yesterday I did have kind of a date with the girl next door. We went to the movies, and the three of us had a great time. The three of you? Yeah, me and my girl and the fella I brought along for her. <laughs> you brought a fellow along for your girl? Yeah, she makes me. She's boy crazy. <laughs> Obviously. He wasn't much of a fellow, though. A little on the dumb side. The dumb side? Yeah, what a dope. He spends 75 cents to see a movie and wastes the whole evening hugging and kissing my girl. <laughs> your girl? That sounds a bit like an overstatement. Oh, no, it isn't, Don. She told me that her heart belongs to me. She did. It's just that the rest of her likes to go out with other fellas. <laughs> Danny, maybe you better stick to your chemistry set. What do you mean? Oh, you're not with it. You're not on the ball. In everyday life, you're just not making any progress. Progress. Hmm. You know why I'm not making any progress? Because I don't want to. Do you think this age of speed and tempo is good for you? Well, frankly, I never gave it much thought. Um, give it some thought, Don. Progress. Have you seen the new 1948 cars? No, but I'd like to buy one. I can't afford a used car. <laughs> I'm serious about this. Things are moving too fast. You know, they say the two biggest features on the new cars are air brakes and unbreakable windshields. Now you can speed up to 200 miles an hour and stop on a dime. Then you press a special button, and a putty knife scrapes you off the windshield. <laughs> Well, that's a handy gadget. Well, don't take it so lightly, Don. I mean, there's such a thing as too much progress. For instance, one of man's most priceless privileges, sitting down to dinner with his family, a simple little pleasure like that is in jeopardy. Why, the other day, my doctor showed me the latest invention in medical science. It's a little pill. Contains the equivalent of an entire meal. Soup, salad, steak, baked potato, choice of three vegetables, a cup of coffee and a big piece of apple pie a la mode, and two toothpicks. <laughs> Ah, you're joking. No, I'm not. I tried one, but a horrible thing happened. When I took the pill, it was upside down. Well, what's so horrible about that? I ate the dessert first. <laughs> what happened to the toothpicks? Don't be such a wise guy, will you? Oh, now, wait a minute, Danny. Progress has more good features than bad ones. Have you read about the new stockings for women guaranteed not to get runs? They're made out of cold wood and rubber. So what? Instead of runs, they'll get clinkers, splinters, and blowouts. <laughs> Inventions, inventions, innovations. Why, years ago, when a woman wanted to go to sleep, she simply put on a nightgown and went to bed. Today, before she gets into bed, she puts on hair crimpers, wrinkle erasers, dimple depressors, ear flatteners, nose straighteners. Uh, if a man wants to kiss his wife goodnight, he has to battle his way through $12 worth of hardware. <laughs> You know, Danny, you got me convinced. Let's both go back and play with your chemistry set. Now you're talking sense, Don. <laughs> Progress is all right, but it has to be harnessed. Now, look, I'd like to show you my new formula. It'll revolutionize present-day living. What is it? Beverage. 
Uh, what's it made of? Liquid. Mm, a liquid beverage. Yeah, I'll tell you about it. Mm. Now with study and forethought and research and more thought, I have discovered something new. My magic elixir is a wonderful fixer of anything that's wrong with you. I'll bottle it and I'll attain fame. The whole world will honor my name. Drink, Thomas Cola, and you'll whistle at the girls once more. If you're half alive and you're 95, Thomas Cola makes you feel like 94. Drink, Thomas Cola, it has sparkle and it's cool and keen. I can't rave enough. You will love the stuff unless you don't like the taste of kerosene. Now, if you're looking gone and you're feeling duller, you really have no excuse. Thomas Cola will give your cheeks some color. Purple, blue, and chartreuse. Drink Thomas Cola. Fill your glass and take a healthy slug. It's a real surprise, makes your spirit rise, while the rest of you just lies there on the rug. Listen to testimonials from all over the world. From Milan, Italy, we hear from Mr. Antonio Garibaldi Tommaso. Well, I tell you. I first tried Thomas Cola when I was 20 years old. And today, 20 years later... I'm very happy to say I am now 30 years old. <laughs> Thomas Cola, that's for me. That's why I'm as happy as I can be. I drink wine until my top of she blows. And with the Thomas Cola, I always wash my clothes. Thomas <laughs> Cola. And now we hear from the Earl of Thomas, one of the leading literary lights of England, being interviewed. Milord, if you had your choice, would you select wine or Thomas Cola? Wine or Thomas Cola, you say? Well, milady, wine, when aged in casks of choice elk, pervades my spirit like exotic incense. A thousand violins throb in my head. I am wafted in fleecy clouds to the seventh heaven above the seventh heaven. <laughs> I respond to its delicacy of flavor with the infinite need that has existed throughout the eternities. Whereas, milady, Thomas Cola... Yes? Yes? Thomas Cola makes me burp. <laughs> and now in Lower Africa, let's listen to Mr. Thomas himself addressing a group of natives. Ogla Ugwa Wambo Bola Zango Bango Thomas Cola Tanza Kango Lava Wao Nico Baka Manda Bao Thomas Cola is a drink that you
Not 50, not 75, but 100% true. Yes, it's 100% true. Dream Shampoo actually reveals all the natural sparkle, all the sheen, all the dazzling brilliance of your hair. Right. Never before, Dream, could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous. Now, that's because Dream is not a soap shampoo, so can't leave dulling soap film on your hair to hide its natural beauty. And what's more, Dream does not dry out your hair. Instead, its fragrant, freshening, whipped cream lather leaves your hair sublimely smooth, beautifully behaved, easier to set, and arrange right after shampooing. And Dream removes unsightly dandruff the first time you use it. So, for lovely, lustrous hair, for all types of hair, dry, normal, or oily, use Dream Shampoo with hair conditioning action. Use Dream at home or ask for Dream at your beauty shop. Buy Dream at all drug department or 10 cent stores in the familiar blue and yellow package. Remember, never before Dream could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous yet so easy to manage. Yes, your hair can have that dazzling sheen the very first time that you use Dream. Yes, your hair can have that dazzling sheen the very first time that you use Dream. And now Don Amici and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Bickerson with Danny Thomas as Brother Amos in The Honeymoon is Over. Francis Langford with a special arrangement of Sonata by Carmen Dragon and the orchestra. Sonata, my sonata, I hear you haunting thee, and I begin to Sonata, 
Francis Langford. And now, as we promised you, Don Amici and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Bickerson with Danny Thomas's brother Amos in The Honeymoon is Over, written by Phil Rapp. The Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson wrestles the bedclothes in sympathetic agony as poor husband John, victim of a rare type of insomnia which manifests itself in alternate periods of coma and narcolepsy, reaches the crisis during an acute stage of the ailment. Listen. (laughs) Oh, dear, now he's scaring himself to death. Are you in pain? Are you in pain, Blanche? What's the matter with you? What's the matter, Blanche? Stop repeating everything I say like a parrot. Why do you repeat everything? Hmm? Why do you repeat everything? You just said that. I know I did. Why do you repeat everything? Keep repeating everything like a parrot. Very funny. I'll bet you're a riot with those broken-down friends of yours. I never want them in this house again. None of my friends have ever been in this house. Why not? Are you ashamed of me? I'm not ashamed of you. Then why don't you invite them here? Because they're a bunch of bums. They're not bums. When we got married, I gave up all my girlfriends. Why don't you do it? Okay, I'll give up all your girlfriends. (laughs) I wish we could meet some nice people. You should belong to a lodge or something. Why don't you join the Elks, John? I'll join next week. You say it, but you won't do it. Why don't you join now? What? Go on, get up and join the elf. Blanche, are you out of your mind? It must be three o'clock in the morning. It's only half past two. Oh, why don't you let me sleep? You know I have to get up early. I won't let you sleep. Because if you sleep, you'll snore. Then you'll wake me and I'll wake you and we'll argue and I won't get any sleep. I promise I won't snore. You always snore. Week in, week out. On Monday you snore, Tuesday you snore, Wednesday you snore, Thursday you snore, Friday you snore, Saturday you snore. So what do you do tonight? <laughs> oh, what's the use? <laughs> He's having that dream again. John, John, you said you wouldn't snore. Yes, dear. Turn over on your side. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. What'd you say, Blanche? I didn't say anything. That was an automobile backfiring. Oh. John. Hmm? Close the window. It's cold outside. If I close the window, will it be warmer outside? Oh, get up and close it. I'm freezing to death. Put a pan under it. I'll have the plumber in the morning. 
John, I have indigestion. I've never been so sick in all my life. All right, Blanche. I'm awake. Now, what's the matter with you? I don't feel good, John. Call the doctor. You don't need the doctor. I'll handle it. Where does it hurt you? Right here, in the pit of my stomach. It's a shooting pain, and it comes about every five minutes. How long does it last? At least a quarter of an hour. How can it last a quarter of an hour if it comes every five minutes? <laughs> don't yell at me. I'm sick. If I say the pain lasts a quarter of an hour, then it lasts a quarter of an hour. Okay. I think it's that dinner we ate at the Goosebys. The fish disagreed with me. It wouldn't dare. <laughs> I never want to eat there again. Every mouthful was poison. And the portions were so small. Why, you ate like you were condemned. <laughs> well, you have to be polite when you go to dinner. I wish we hadn't eaten anything. I'm suffering so. Call the doctor. Oh, now, don't get hysterical. It's just indigestion. I know how to treat it. I'll fix you some hot ginger ale and oatmeal. Hot ginger ale? Make a new man of you. John Bickerson, I don't want any of your insane remedies. You treat me for indigestion and I'll probably die of liver trouble. Listen, if I treat you for indigestion, you'll die of indigestion. <laughs> now, do you want me to help you or not? Not if you're going to yell at me like that. You wouldn't yell at Gloria Gooseby if she got sick. Now, don't start with Gloria Gooseby. I saw you two at the dinner table playing footsies. Footsies. <laughs> you were so flustered when she smirked at you, you couldn't eat. I was not flustered. Then why did you put gravy on your ice cream? I always put gravy on my ice cream. <laughs> I love gravy on anything, and you know it. And a likely story. Ugh. And the gown that woman was wearing. She ought to be arrested. I think she purposely swallowed that fishbone so you could stroke her back. I didn't stroke her back. I patted it. And I'd have done that if she hadn't swallowed the fishbone. I mean, if she hadn't been wearing that gown. I don't know how Leo stands for it. He's such a wonderful man, and Gloria's always playing sick around him just to get sympathy. Uh... A lot you care what happens to me. Every time Gloria gets a headache, Leo hugs and kisses her and fawns over her. Why don't you do that? I'm never there when she has a headache. <laughs> I mean, why don't you fuss over me? Now listen, Blanche, you're not sick and you know it. Well, I'm depressed. You're going out of town tomorrow, and I'll be so lonesome, I'll die. I'm only going overnight. I'll be back on Tuesday. If you cared for me, you wouldn't leave me. I'm not leaving you. I have to go on business, and I won't be gone over 24 hours. Suppose a burglar breaks in the house and finds me. It'll serve him right. <laughs> now, let me sleep. Please, Blanche, I have to make an early train. We've never been separated before. I'm afraid absence will conquer your love. Oh, no. The longer I'm away from you, the better I'll like you. I don't like the way that sounded. Well, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Say, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's the most stupid saying in the world. What? Look at what happened to Mel Shaw. He left his wife alone for two weeks, and now he's the unhappiest man alive. And you know why? She was still there when he came home. She was not. Louise got lonesome and she ran off with the upholsterer. When Mel came home and found out what happened, he went right out and got so drunk, they had to take him to a sanitarium. Why, he ought to be ashamed of himself. Why? A man should wait at least a week before celebrating. <laughs> Good night. Don't be so smart. You might come home and find things changed, too. Mm -hmm. Go on. Stay away from home for a month. Stay away for years. See if I care. I'm only going for one day. Run all over the country. Go to Europe. Never let me know where you are. Just keep me sitting here wondering whether you're alive or dead. Blanche! Why don't you write to me, John? 
Now listen to me, Blanche. You have only one object in mind, and that is to keep me awake. I just want you to tell me you love me. I love you. Now, are you satisfied? How much do you love me? How much do you need? $45. I saw the most stunning hat, John. If I get it, I'm sure I won't feel so depressed. $45 for a hat? That's a fine cure for depression. That'll start one. Women need those things to cheer them up. Look at Clara, my oldest sister. Every time she's in the dump, she buys a dress. I figured that's where she bought her clothes. <laughs> I'm not giving you $45 for any hat, and that's final. Now let me sleep. Oh, I hate you. How my mother begged me not to marry you. She pleaded with me not to marry you. Your mother told you not to marry me? Yes, she did. Dear heaven, how I'd misjudge that woman. <laughs> Oh, you'll be sorry for this, John Bickerson. You just wait and see. Oh, please, Blanche, I'm so tired and I have to make a 7 o'clock train. That means I have to get up before 6. Why do you need so much time? Well, I have to pack my suitcase, don't I? You haven't got a suitcase. Oh, I have to. I bought a brand new one yesterday. It's in the closet. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. I put it there last night. I took it out this morning. What? Amos borrowed it. Oh, Blanche, he didn't. You didn't let that weasel take my brand new suitcase. I've never even used it. Don't scream so. You can carry your stuff in a paper bag. <laughs> paper bag? My suits will get all wrinkled. No, they won't. Amos barred them, too. Now, look, Blanche. I see no reason for you to carry on like this, John. Blanche. Amos is going on a sailing trip with some very important businessmen, and he won't hurt your silly old suitcase. Blanche. He has to have something to bring the fish home in. He's going to carry fish in my suitcase And I have to put my clothes in a gunny sack Well, stay home then I can't stay home If you leave me here alone in this horrid house tomorrow night All I'll... right, all right, all right I'll call Amos I'll have him come over and stay here till I get back Put the lights on <laughs> Honest Blanche, if I don't go on this trip tomorrow I'm liable to lose my job Hello? Amos, this is John Hi, Jocko, what's new? Say, I, I want to ask a little favor, Amos. I have to go out of town tomorrow, and Blanche is afraid to stay here alone. Could you come over and spend the night? What's in it for me? What a chiseler. Is it worth a double sawbuck, Jocko? Okay, $20. And all the bourbon I can drink? All the bourbon you can drink. And can I bring a couple of friends over? Bring some friends. Take a note. You won't back out, Jocko. I give you my word of honor. Okay, I'll be over tomorrow. Uh, wait, Amos, when you come over, uh, uh, you might bring my new suitcase with you. I might bring it, but I won't. Because I already hocked it. Good night, Jacko. Ooh, how I hate that man. You see what you make me go through just because you pretend you're scared to be alone? I'm not going to be alone. What? Mother's coming over to stay for the rest of the year. Good night, John. Oh, no. This is Donamichi wishing you good days, good nights, and good luck until we meet again. Everybody's talking about Dreft, the greatest dishwashing discovery in 2,000 years. Dreft, D-R-E-F-T, Dreft. Procter & Gamble's sudsing miracle that gets dishes so clean they shine even without wiping. Yes, it makes even glasses sparkle like jewels. Dreft simply can't leave any streaks on dishes the way all soaps do. Why, with Dreft, your nicest glassware positively shines. Dreft is kind to your hands, too. Get Dreft in the bright green package. That's D-R-E-F-T, Dreft. Remember, never before dream. Yes, never before dream could any shampoo reveal 100% of the natural luster of your hair. Listen next Sunday for another pleasant half hour with Don Amici, Danny Thomas, Francis Langford, Carmen Dragon, and his orchestra.
NBC, National Broadcasting Company. Alright, yes, that was Dream Time, or more popularly known as The Biggersons, from March 2nd, 1947. I might have said 46 earlier, but 46 was before the show started. Thank you very much, McLean. Much appreciated. Glad you could bring that to us. Now, the last show we have for you today is a... Now, I'm a, I'm a big fan of these. I'm a big fan of old uh, big band remote broadcasts where... Anyway, what happened back in the day is you would have hotels who would have uh, entertainment. They would bring in big bands to play at the hotels in their, in their ballrooms. And radio stations would pay to have a line run in so they could broadcast the, uh, the bands as like a, like a filler piece, usually at the end of the day, around about nighttime. Uh, so you would hear like... You could flip around and hear like Tommy Dorsey playing in one hotel somewhere, and then Glenn Miller would be playing in another hotel somewhere, Benny Goodman somewhere else. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of those. Now, I, I have a hard time finding these sometimes, copies of these old remote broadcasts, because really, the main people preserving them were the bands themselves. Like, I don't think the radio station was too interested in preserving them, because it was just uh, filler material for them. But the bands themselves would have uh, copies made just so they could hear how they sound on the air. And, of course, uh, fans of the band might, like, record them off the radio onto their own... Uh... They got their own systems at home. Yes. Their own hi-fi set. But anyway, so that's that's the history of the big band remotes, and... I'm pretty sure the only remote big band recording I'm aware of is the fake one that was at the beginning of the World War of the Worlds broadcast. McLean's not too, uh, delved into this. So this is a, uh... I'm not, it's cultured. This is a Glenn Miller broadcast from April 4th, 1940 from the Café Rouge in New York City. Sounds sounds real fancy. Yep, and this came, I think this came from uh, Glenn Miller's own personal collection from his estate, I think. But uh, anyway, uh, here it is. Glenn Miller, uh, April 4th, 1940. The National Broadcasting Company invites you to listen to Glenn Miller's music. Melody Moonlight Serenade brings to Listening America a special treat tonight. You're to be the radio guest at the gala celebration to say farewell to the nation's number one band leader, Glenn Miller. Completing tonight a record-breaking engagement at the Cafe Rouge of Hotel Pennsylvania, the Statler Hotel in New York City. Tomorrow, Glenn and the boys will head for Point West for the summer months. Well, that's your gain and our loss. But right now, yours truly, Alan Robinson, our NBC engineer, Courtney Snell, and hundreds of guests are here to say so long to Glenn and the boys, so we invite you to join us and listen to some of this grand music. It would be just like Glenn Miller to play all of your favorites tonight, and the first number certainly carries out that idea. Johnson Rag. Thank you. 
thought that comes to mind now for music is one of those grand ballad arrangements by Glenn Miller to feature his five-man read section and bring us the voice of Ray Eberly, Gaucho Serenade. company make their swing through the country, there's a little lady you're bound to meet and learn to love just as we do. We speak, of course, of Marion Hutton, heard right this very minute in a little ditty titled, Boogit. Oh, and easy, forget nothing. 
There's a bit of sign language that goes with that number that probably you'll get to see sometime very soon. Time for another ballad now, a Glenn Miller arrangement of The Sky Fell Down, Ray Eberly to Sing. Broadcasting Company, bringing you the final broadcast for the season of Glenn Miller and his orchestra from the Café Rouge of Hotel Pennsylvania in New York City. Glenn's next certainly reflects the mood that prevails here in the Café Rouge tonight and we hope everywhere. I want to be happy.
Well, what would you like to hear Glenn Miller play next? Well, we wager after that fast one, it would be a ballad. And if we were to take a census of opinion, and census is very much in order these days, we wager that you'd like to hear Starlet Hour. Yes, you would. Ray Everly to sing. Tonight is Glenn Miller's last broadcast for this season from the Cafe Rouge in Hotel Pennsylvania. I know that you listening in on the air would be very disappointed if you didn't have a word from him, and I know that he'd be very disappointed if he didn't get to say it. So here's Glenn Miller. Thank you very much, Al. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We feel that this being our last broadcast for the time being from the Cafe Rouge, that it's apropos that we say something about our stay here. It has been a most pleasant one, and... The hotel has been wonderful in showing us every courtesy to make it as pleasant as possible. And I'd like to also thank the National Broadcasting Company for their placing the disposal of their networks at our command for use and broadcasting to you people. Uh, we've enjoyed playing for you, and we hope that you've enjoyed listening to us. NBC has bent over backwards and 
making these broadcasts as good from a technical standpoint as is possible, and the rest of it has been up to us, and we hope that you've liked it. A little special credit, I think, tonight goes to our announcer, Al Robinson, our control man, Courtney Snell, who came over here tonight, usually their day off, to be with us on the closing broadcast. So uh, until we have the pleasure of playing for you again, why, let me say it's really been a lot of fun. There's only one bright spot in the whole proceedings, and that is that we're to come back to the Pennsylvania Hotel here in the Cafe Rouge, and we'll broadcast over NBC starting the first or second week in October, and we'll be here throughout next winter. And thank you for listening in, and good night. All right, Glenn, and I'm sure that every single person out on the air will be right here with bells on, welcoming you back and also on the air over NBC. Now, I've wasted all of my adjectives practically in describing this number before by Glenn Miller, so he's back with his horn and ready to beat it off. Here it is, Tuxedo Junction.
Well, Tuxedo Junction certainly makes a hit here. Ray Everly brings us the lyrics as Glenn Miller and the orchestra play Too Romantic. I'd like to call your attention to the fact that the Music Educators Conference program, originally scheduled for 12.30 a.m., may be slightly delayed and will be heard instead at approximately 12.35 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Moonlight and stars can make such a fool of me You know you're much too near and I'm too romantic I be a sign on a bended knee. I'm startled when you whisper, I'll run if you should sigh. I must be so careful, or I'll kiss my heart goodbye. You shouldn't let about Jimmy Darcy coming in here tomorrow night, will you? Well... He's got a wonderful band, and he's a grand guy, and I know everybody's going to be very happy to see him here. And you tell the folks that I wish him a long and successful run. Well, they heard you just as well as they can hear me, Glenn, and I'm sure that most everyone here shares exactly those feelings. Well, as I started to say, Marion Hutton with us again with a little ditty from Buck Benny Rides Again entitled, My, My.
shout, but all that comes out is my mind. I want to sing a flower since spring, but oh dear, when you're near, I just die. I want to sing, can't sing a thing, but my mind. I should say, oh, how lovely. I should say, oh, how sweet. I should have Shakespeare at the tip of my tongue, but every time we meet, I look at you, and what do I do? I get weak, can't speak, I just sigh. been listening to the music of Glenn Miller and his orchestra coming to you from the Hotel Pennsylvania in New York City. This is the National Broadcasting Company. All right, that was Glenn Miller from the spring of 1940 to wrap us up. Hope you'll be back here next week because we will have more old radio recordings, air checks, just anything I can dig out of my attic. It's a very, it's a very cluttered, cluttered attic. I've well, got... Some things I think should stay in the attic, Jake. Stay buried. McLean, I got I have important stuff. You don't stuff need to, to hear every people. single one of your home recordings of your family reunions. I got I've got piles and and piles of old radio transcription discs, McLean. What do I do with them? I got all these real to real tapes taking up space. They're so big, it's the world's worst medium, McLean. It's the world's worst way they store anything. They're huge. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we'll meet you back here next week for more Sounds of the Past on Yesterday Today. That's right. Jake will be back here next week. I'm kind of on the fence still. Well, glad to know where you stand, McLean. Mm-hmm.